the Dark Side. I'm Brianna. And I'm Paige. And this is Dark Adaptation. episode 69 <laughs> Dyson insert Beavis and Butthead music here music <laughs> let's see um, there's a two and then um, some kind of circle and I don't know what that is I've never seen one of those before no dumbass not that number that one 69 <laughs> <laughs> You guys, little listeners, you're lucky because you get back-to-back episode with great guests. Last week, we released an episode on the Texarkana Moonlight Murders, and our amazing friends, Stephen and Leo from Spoils of Horror, joined us, which was like just the best time. It was great. It was so much fun. Oh, I'm glad you guys had a good time. It was so good. Nice to mix universes. It really was, yeah. Cool, a cool collaboration because we have such different shows, mm-hmm. but we made it work. And then, so we did that. And then on their feed, they released an episode on uh, the town that dreaded sundown, which is the movie that was inspired by the crimes. Okay. So, um, if you haven't yet, make sure you check out both of those episodes. And to make it easy, we are just going to link it in the show notes. But this week. Paige is back. I'm back. As promised. And you're going to take over the reins. You're the host for this week's episode. And I mean, I don't have anything else to say. So I'm just going to turn it over to you for whatever it is that uh, we're talking about. Well, I wish I had uh, anticipated or known that it was going to be episode 69 because it would have been <laughs> a hilarious thing to do if I if I could have played it. But I didn't. And But next time I won't uh, I won't let people down. That's OK. I didn't even know until Dyson was like getting everything prepped. And he's like, hey, you know what episode this week is? Do you know what episode this week is? That makes sense. <laughs> and I'm like, well, OK, I've been talking a lot about Texarkana Moonlight Murders, which was 68. Oh, shit. 69. It's 69. Insert Beavis and Butthead yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do like a lot of crime stories, right? And I always imagine like the scary background noises. And I feel like after death, when the wind blows... You hear the whispering howls of the hellhounds carrying a soul away from the underworld. Jesus. We're talking about hellhounds today. Oh my goodness. This is going to be exciting. I'm excited. Okay, let's do it. Let's get cozy. I'm excited. I don't know anything about hellhounds. Let's get into this. You don't know anything about hellhounds? No? Nope. Okay. Well, then this is going to be brand new for you. Okay, here we go. So... What are hellhounds? They are said to be a type of beast or demon from hell or the underworld or the other side, whatever your culture describes it as. And some other names for them might be like demon hounds, black dogs, the hounds of hell, devil dogs, um, and then Satan's dogs. There's also uh, Berghest, 
Black Shuck and many others. So we're going to get through a few of those today. Oh my God, there's one or two monikers there. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> and in some contexts and interpretations, hellhounds are seen as spirits that help newly deceased souls transition and deal with this fact of, uh, of death. So, hmm. But some say that if you see one, your death is imminent. And it varies as some believe that the deed is done if you see one and others believe that if you see three, then the death curse has begun. Oh, my God. Okay, well, now, now we're going to have to get into descriptions, what to look out for, because how the fuck am I going to know that I saw one? What if, what if I think I saw one and it was just a coyote? If it was dark, I would black <laughs> dogs specifically. I'd be cautious, but you never know. <laughs> And like, so what do they look like, right? Mm -hmm. Generally, they are described that way. They're sometimes dogs, sometimes wolf, depending on the culture, um, with like usually deep black matted fur covered in ash and blood, kind of grimy looking, mm -hmm. uh, red glowing or flaming eyes, large paws with sharp claws that leave scorched paw prints in its wake. And they smell of sulfur, smoke, fire, death just disgusting yeah that's demonic there's an odor that definitely follows them mm -hmm. and they also have the supernatural abilities like they have enhanced strength and speed they have the power to be invisible uh, they have the, the ability to travel between worlds or realms they've got to get back to the underworld to um, drag those souls yeah that definitely makes sense that checks out right and they are able to control fire oh okay so they're like uh, pyromaniacs too <laughs> like setting fires for sure <laughs> pyrokinetic i mean <laughs> exactly and tales say that the places to find them are in cemeteries uh known or historic execution locations abandoned in old buildings and on the crossroads as well and if you're looking for some weaknesses if you find one following you around they are unable to cross running water like rivers and streams i guess that makes sense if they're like on fire basically well a lot of fey folk can't cross rivers and streams depending on which culture you look at so interesting yeah and mm. some claim that iron silver or salt can help these uh stop these creatures as well silver like werewolf yeah exactly <laughs> yeah very close association right and so what are the different cultures that have these types of mythologies in them well the most probably well-known and the oldest version is Cerberus from Greek mythology. All right. And so Cerberus is also referred to as the Hound of Hades. And Hades is the ruler of the underworld and all of the souls after death end up in the underworld regardless of whether you've been good or bad. Mm -hmm. And ancient sources believe that his name comes from the Greek word uh, korobos, which means flesh devouring. Whoa, that's fucking metal. <laughs> well it's gonna get even more metal because he's famously known for keeping souls from leaving the underworld but cerberus is also there to guard the gates of hell and make sure that any living souls that do wander into the hell hound or hell don't make it back out and his loyalty is only to hades yeah and hades is the god of the underworld and the dead and the one thing that is pretty consistent with cerberus is that he is a giant, monstrous black dog that famously has three or more heads. Is, is he in Hercules or am I just yeah. in that? Okay. Like the Disney, like Hercules? Yeah. Okay. I'm like, it's getting more and more familiar. Plus, if I hear Hades, of course, I just picture like it, it, Hercules. Flaming red, the flaming, flaming blue hair. blue hair. 
all of that the attitude everything <laughs> so i'm like maybe i'm just wanting that to be the case but you know yeah and we're actually going to be talking a little bit about hercules as well so Excellent. all right yeah Zip. Wait till I get there. <laughs> you were going to get there. Exactly. And uh, so there are different variations of description that also include like a serpent's tail or even a venom venomous serpent's head at the end of the tail. <laughs> or there's also variations of it being a dragon's tail of some Damn. sort. Damn, it's a hybrid animal. Yeah. And it gets weirder with snakes all over his body, which I have not yet seen in any depiction from him. No, no. Or I'm just thinking of like Medusa. Yeah. And it like, or it also says like a mane of snakes as well. Like there's a lot of snake features in him that hasn't been really depicted in more pop culture. No, not that I can picture. Yeah. And there's also um, some scholars that believe that he had um, venom saliva, um, impeccable hearing, and he could be cloaked in fire. The cloaked in fire and having impeccable hearing makes sense. You're a hellhound. Mm -hmm. You're a dog. Like, they have great hearing. I'm just not sure what this angle is about snakes. Yeah. Like, where does that come from? Like, are snake, are serpents, like, a symbol of evil? Or, like, Well, I think death, if you look or... at, like, Christianity, they would say that snakes are considered evil. Yeah. Hmm, interesting and i'm sure there's a lot of other cultures that do yeah but there's also obviously a smell of sulfur when he is around so you know if if you smell that run if you can yeah if you can outrun a three-headed large dog <laughs> i would just feed like we just watched without a paddle i would just go into like a fetal position <laughs> just carried off by the like, bear my time has come exactly. <laughs> i'm not gonna fight it anymore <laughs> And some other descriptions also have him having 50 or more heads. It's too many. Wait, look, where would you put them all? It's too many. Too many heads. 50. There's 50 or more heads of just the hound. And then you have snakes all over the body and on the tail. I guess it's just supposed to be disorienting. I'm not sure. <laughs> is every head like the size of an actual dog's head, but the body is like really, really massive. <laughs> just too many. Too many. Too many heads. <laughs> But one of the earliest Greek poets, Hesiod, was the first to mention Cerberus in his poem Theogony, which means the birth of the gods, which describes the origins and genealogy of the Greek gods composed in the 8th to the 7th century BCE, which is about 800 to 600 BCE. Wow. Yeah. God, that's fucking ancient. Very old. And Hesiod describes Cerberus with the 50 heads. And another ancient poet... Pindar just details about 100 heads. Oh, 50 was too many. Why we got to do this? It's got to be scarier. Just make it bigger. It's just too many. It would, be, it would just be so overwhelming that you wouldn't even know what to feel. You'd just be like, I don't even know where to look. You don't even know which head killed you. No. They just rip you apart. <sighs> like a chew toy. And then like, what do they all eat? Do that, those, it's a show one stomach. You, you get a tiny little piece. You get a tiny little piece. Okay, we got to feed everyone here. <laughs> And then, like, thereafter, sources adjusted their descriptions to add the mane of snakes and a snake tail. Huh. And in the first century BCE, or, like, 65 to 8 BCE, Roman poet Horace wrote that Cerberus only had a single head and with three tongues surrounded by 100 snakes. 
I just, what's the point of like constantly rewriting the description? I, yeah, I don't know to add like more and more is, weirdness to it. Like, this is all Greek, right? Yeah, this just, is all just different poets that are describing him differently. I guess maybe if they're poets, they're like obviously artistic, so maybe it like better suits whatever they're trying to portray, but it's just yeah. interesting. But it seems like in every one of them, the snake and the hound influence is very heavy mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Yeah, definitely. And one of the earliest known visual renderings of Cerberus is on a Corinthian cup from the 6th century BCE, which is 590 to 580 BCE, which would be modern day Ergos right now. Mm. And though this cup was now lost, (coughs) probably stolen, lost, (laughs) (coughs) some sort of dealer, I'm sure. Anyways, (laughs) It showed him with a single dog head with snakes coming off the body. And then the first appearance of Cerberus with three heads is on a Laconian cup from the mid-6th century BCE. And along with the three heads, he also had a snake head for a tail, along with the rest of his coat covered in snakes. Just snakes. You might More as well, snakes. why don't you just make him a snake? Just, just be a snake. If you want to be a snake, be a snake. <laughs> want to be a hound be a hound one or the fucking other (laughs) and laconia is a southeastern region of greece and its main capital is sparta yes for those wanting to know where that location is it is sparta (laughs) (laughs) and there are some depictions bringing in a new element with a lion head as one of the three faces Okay, well, that's pretty cool, actually. That's a little little new fact like, in there. Where's but... Waldo, but Lionhead. <laughs> yeah, so there's definitely a lot of different influences and um, oral traditions and stories that were passed down that probably grew to some degree and mm-hmm. became these, uh, these poets' inspiration. Yeah, definitely. And it's said that in the 12th and final labors of Hercules... Hercules! ...was for him to bring Cerberus up from the underworld to the land of the living before returning him to Hades. Well, that sounds like quite a task. Yeah. And the most well-known version of the story is that Hercules came before Hades and asked to borrow Cerberus. Hades agreed, but only if he were able to subdue him without weapons. Mm-hmm. And so Hercules wore the skin of a Nemean lion, which was his first labor to get which is invulnerable to harm and restrained Cerberus using chains before dragging him up to earth for the first time before he was paraded around Greece, showing he completed his 12th and final labor. Wow. Is that, is that what the whole point was? Is just to perform that final labor? Like that was the main objective? Well, there were, so there was 12 labors. I believe the story is, is that Hercules had to get his wife back. His wife was kidnapped. And so he, or his family was kidnapped and he had to perform these 12 labors to prove that he could, I believe, take care. Yeah, his worthiness for his family. And so there's different monsters that he has to fight for each of the 12 labors. And so I guess we see this in the Disney version where Mm -hmm. he's fighting all the things. And you see the one where he's wearing the um, scars from the Lion King's lion skin. 
And that is like the Nemean lion. And isn't he in like his posing labor. with it? And they're like painting him on one of those yeah. jars. Yeah. And so he's parading around Greece to show that, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's completing these things, that he's a hero. Wow. It's just like um has ever I guess that's never been done before in the Greek uh in the Greek world dragging up the hellhounds from Hades' side basically <laughs> yeah no this is the cerberus's first time in the land of the living he has never stepped foot until then he's like i don't like it let me go back <laughs> and he had to be wrestled into it with chains <laughs> like i don't know about you but just getting our dog river to do what i want can be a challenge but to take a three-headed monster yeah on a casual stroll outside to earth <laughs> when he's happy at home like, if anyone has a stubborn dog, you know. Just picturing that. Come on, boy. Come on, let's go up, up the other realm. Come on. Cling, cling, cling. All the chains <laughs> they used to tie them up. Fucking crazy. Don't be cranky. Like, want a treat? Want a treat? Come on, you want a treat? Um, and it seems like a weakness of the three-headed pet is that music can charm him to allow passage into and out of the underworld. What kind of music? Is he like metalhead? Like he likes country oh, I'm boys? I'm sure he likes the screamo. Like I'm okay. sure he's full metal. Yeah, yeah, okay. It calms that checks him. Out. It it serenades with the screams of the damned, obviously. Yeah, he's like he got some like some Kralis, maybe some Slayer or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure all the rock bands in that have ever passed have been down there, so they got a full stage, full band. I'm sure. Non-stop, 24-7. Just relays of the best metal music. Exactly. And um, there's also, like, when reading about uh, someone doing this, here Orpheus uses this exact tactic to retrieve his wife, Eurydice, that died on their wedding day. Oh, my God. Sad. Very sad. Worst honeymoon ever. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) Just like, oh, okay, I love you together forever in sickness and in health. Till death do us part. (laughs) Yeah. Oh shit, but death will not do us part. I'm going down there to get you. Gonna get her. Gonna get my girl. <laughs> and Cerberus's influence made its appearance in the Harry Potter series in the first book when Harry, Hermione, and Ron come face to face with Hagrid's pet called Fluffy, who guards the trap door when they're looking for the Philosopher's Stone. And it's like a hellhound? It's a three headed giant dog that is used to guard a trap door. Oh, damn. Yeah, and even when they encounter Fluffy, like, a second time, because they almost get eaten the first time they stumble upon him, they almost get uh, eaten when the harp that is charmed to play a ballad stops and this wakes up the beast. Is this in the movie? I've no, I'm just, the... I'm just cu- um, coming up. With... Yes, it's... Oh, I've just <laughs> never read the books, and I've only seen the first movie. So I'm like, I feel like I've, this sounds familiar. I haven't read the books, but I've seen all of the movies. Um, so my reference is based off of the movie. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. I gotcha. Any fans out there that have read Harry Potter, I let us like... know if it's there too. Yeah. They're like, what the fuck? You two haven't read Harry Potter? It's like, yeah. sorry, just, it's just not for me, dog. Got other <laughs> things to it's do. Just, it's just not for me, hellhound. Sorry. <laughs> Hellhounds for me. <laughs> and so that's kind of the basis of what Cerberus has, uh, the origin of Cerberus has come from. Always and, with the Greeks. Yeah, and also with the Greeks, there's also another god that is associated with hellhounds as well. 
Mm. other than just Hades. And while Cerberus was a formidable, one-of-a-kind beast loyal to Hades, there are also another goddess in the underworld who has her own formidable companions. And the goddess Hecate, known for her powers in witchcraft, magic, necromancy, ghosts, and is also the goddess of crossroads, also has hounds as guards and protectors. I mean, it makes sense. If it's goddess of crossroads, of course you got to have those hellhounds. Mm-hmm. And she also lives in the underworld as well. And so in some mentions of her arrival, there are forecasted that the sounds of hounds whining and howling follow her as she comes. Ominous. Very ominous. Spooky. Very powerful sounding. And often she is drawn, painted, or sculpted with a hound at her side as they were regularly sacrificed animals to her. Oh. Which is a little sad. It is. Uh, I have a very important question. Does her companion have 50 or 100 heads? Just one. Excellent. Just one. An appropriate amount of dog heads. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) The regular amount of dog heads. We'll just keep it simple for this one. One. Just one. One head. Yeah, and though she is known for, like, macabre associations in power, and many depictions of the goddess and her companion are actually docile and even friendly looking. Excellent. She's like, I could be majestic. I'm formidable, but I could still look good. Exactly. Just because you are the goddess of, like, witchcraft and necromancy and ghost does not mean that you can't be also uh, the good side of Mm -hmm. that as well as the dark side, right? Exactly. That's fucking sick, though. Like, necromancy and shit. That's cool. Yeah. And they were also, like, referred to as her familiars and often represented, like, female dogs as well. Mm -hmm. So she had a lot of loyal companions. Yeah. And there's only one reference to a specific person becoming her familiar. And it is to Queen uh, Hecuba, the Queen of Troy, during the Trojan War. And in some versions of the story, Queen Hecuba, I believe I'm saying that right, was captured by Odysseus upon the fall of Troy. And on the way back to Greece, Hecuba killed the Thracian king. And in retaliation, she was stoned by the locals. And in Ovid's Metamorphosis, written from the 1st BCE to 1st CE, he writes, quote, Troy fell in Param II, her husband, upon the beach cast upon Hecabe, Hecabe, Honestly, you're doing really good with all of these pronunciations because I'm like, I would not be able to do this. There's a lot of Greek words here. There are a lot of Greek words. Um, okay. Upon the beach cast upon Hecabe, saw her Polydorus corpse, which is her youngest son, and the huge wounds the Thracian knives had made. Hecabe, there's like, there's a, there's an English pronunciation and then there's like the greek pronunciation i believe hecabe is Sounds the greek and hecuba is the like english <laughs> oh i see version that. and range linked with rage linked with grief oblivious of her years made her way to polymester author of that foul murder and sought an audience she attacked the king and dug her fingers in his eyes <laughs> his treacherous eyes and gouged his eyeballs out Incest with to see their king's calamity, the Thracians started to attack the queen with sticks and stones, but she snapped at the stones, snarling, and when her lips were set to grim words and she tried to speak, she barked, end quote. 
God, we start snarling. She might as well be barking. Yeah, and this might be the start of when Hecate depicted, like, the hounds at her side and the association with female dogs. There's already, like, Mm -hmm. a transformation happening here. Oh, yes, very clearly. And translated from Latin. Oh, good. Which I did. uh, (laughs) In No, you have to say it in Latin. Yes. In Latin. No, thank you. Oh actually, you might, you might be so. I'm really something. prepared for this episode. <laughs> you just do it all in Latin. And I don't say a lick of English. I'd just be sitting here looking like I got 50 heads. You only learned Latin for the intro and that was it. <laughs> and then you had a bunch of like little tiny, like one worded sentences that you could say, oh, wow. Type things. I'm like trying to even think of a Latin word right now. I can't. No. Anyways, translated <laughs> from Latin in Hecate and Hecatos, or The Principles of Divine and Human Things Among the Greeks, written by Karl Hedgard Hupt in 1840, he writes, quote, For the dog and the wolf are indeed joined by consanguinity, but in the some symbolic genus, it often seems to belong also to light and life. The dog was brought to the night only, morning and death. And indeed, the dogs signifying night, morning, and death also indicates the last borders of the earth, where the kingdom of death enters, end quote. Super macabre. Yeah, and it really, like, shows that not only do black dogs symbolize morning and death, but that they are brought to the gates of the kingdom of death to guard light and life, morning and death as well. Mm-hmm. And many believe that the gods or Hecate changed her form, and from then on, she was like loyal to the companion of the goddess. And I wonder if this is where we kind of feel that conflict between seeing dogs and wil- wolves as possible like hairbringers of death, but also as like humanity's like best friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see that sort of like, uh, just trying to walk, I guess, walk that fine line, or like try to see how to interpret it. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, they are just so loyal. But they could be loyal in so many different ways. In this case, literally guarding the underworld. And I wonder <laughs> if it also says something about, uh, you know how when you see people walking their dogs and their dogs look exactly like them and you're like, oh, it's a Bowser. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like people just are their dogs. They get dogs that look exactly and act exactly like them. Are you are you quoting that from I love you, man? Or are you actually saying that? Do you remember that? I'm actually saying that, but I'm also basing it off of like, say, 101 Dalmatians <laughs> when he first sees, like when Pongo looks out the window and he first sees all the dogs that look exactly like their owners. And then I guess it's I love you, man, that just decided to call them Bowsers. Uh, and Jason Siegel's like, oh, it's a person that looks like their dog or a dog that looks like Bowsers. their person, whatever. Yep. That's such a classic name. That's so funny. That's funny. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of the two gods slash goddesses that really represent the hellhounds in any way in Greek mythology. I mean, Hades makes sense. I was not expecting, uh, what, how'd you say? Hecate? Hecate. I was not expecting that. Yeah. That's cool. Well, this is what this is all about, right? Yeah. Bringing to life some, some culture and, uh, different stories and and traditions from different different places i did ask where'd that come from what's that mean what's it look like and now you know (laughs) yep and we're gonna kind of move on into norse mythology okay cool so we got some greek now we're going into some norse
So Norse mythology comes from the North Germanic people and their tribe, and this can be found mainly in current day Denmark, Sweden, and Norway, but can also be in Iceland, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, the Netherlands, Belgium, France, Northern Italy, that whole kind of area. Holy, so basically all of it. <laughs> yeah, basically, <laughs> them Vikings. Yeah. Yeah. And it also has deities such as Odin and Thor, Freya, and Loki. Very cool. But today we're going to be looking at Garm and Finnur. Don't know them. <laughs> you might, but you'll know them more after we're done here. Exactly. And so Garm or Garm is a giant dog or wolf that helps the goddess Hel guard over her domain, Helm. And Hel is also Loki's daughter. And Hel is considered fair and strict over her domain. But Garm is similar to Cerberus. And through his loyalty only to Hel, he guards the gates of Helheim, preventing souls from leaving and keeping the living from entering the realm. So very similar to Hades and Cerberus. Yeah, exactly. And also to note that Helheim is a place for people who do not die honorably in war or battle, or people who fall ill, or people who die of old age. Okay. So, whereas, like, the underworld and, like, the Greek mythology is just, you're there no matter what. Yeah, everyone's there. who you were and what you did or anything. This is a a key difference. Yeah, and so their version of, like, quote-unquote heaven is Valhalla, Mm -hmm. which is reserved for the fallen warriors and celebrated heroes. That's right, that's right. And in the Poetic Edda... A collection of Norse poems written by historian Snorri uh, Strulosun in the 13th century, which is around uh, 1200. One of the poems, uh, Baldar's Drummer, which means Baldur's Dreams. Mm-hmm. And part of the poem reads, quote, Then Otin rose, the enchanter old, and the saddle he laid on Slepdenir's back. Thence rode he down. Ot Nenefhelm, deep and wound, and the hound he met that came from hell. Bloody he was on his breast before, at the father of magic he howled from afar. Forward rode Odin, the earth resounded, till the house so high of hell he reached. End quote. And so basically, Odin rode his eight legged horse to the murky dwellings of hell. I didn't mean to laugh. I'm sorry, but no, it's like fine. fucking fifty heads, eight legs. I'm like, I cannot handle this. Three tongues and thousand snakes. Like, goddamn. Sorry to interrupt. Okay. No, that's okay. Yeah. So Odin rode an eight-legged horse. Of course he did. And so he rode it down to uh, Hell's domain, and on his way there, he encountered Garm, and described to be covered in blood as he howled, trying to stop Odin from entering Helm. But Odin is described as seeing Hel's tall abode, so he does make it there to to talk to her and confront her. And on another poem in the collection titled Volsupa, uh, reads in part, quote, Now Garm howls loud, before Gilnefer, the fretters will burst, and the wolf run free. Much do I know, and more can see, of the fate of the gods, the might in fight, end quote. 
And it is said that uh, Gilnafir, uh, which is uh, Gilnpa Cave, is his home and in the realm of the dead. So Garmer howls in front of his cave, and when the gates burst open, he will run free and there will be a fight. And this is what brings about Ragnarok. Mm, mm-hmm. And so Garm really symbolizes not just death, but the renewal of life and his imminent destruction of the old world makes way for the birth of the new one. I also just love how, thanks to Marvel, a lot of these things are uh, familiar to me. Yeah, like the right? terms and stuff, not just like the movies, but also playing like games like Ultimate Alliance and stuff. I'm like, oh, Balder, yeah, I know that guy. I know yeah, <laughs> it's, all, it's all deeply rooted in... Uh, a type of culture wherever mm-hmm. we're getting these stories from so it's really cool to see it in pop culture and in video yeah, games i love and it you're actually learning some things though it might be tweaked yep, from the original exactly. stories but we'll kind of get into that a little bit and like there's also this other kind of character called Fenrir, and it's mentioned in North mythology, and it seems to be some confusion and integration of the myths between Garmer and Fenrir. Mm. And in some accounts, they are considered to be the same being, but have been given different names. And in others, they are the complete opposite. In these instances, Garmer is known as the fearsome protector of the gates of hell and the guardian of Helhem. And Fenrir is known for growing too quickly, and in an attempt to tame the beast, gods chain him up and abandon him in a swamp. And in an article written by Vienna on Norse Mythologist, entitled Garm in Norse Mythology, writes, quote, When Ragnarok arrives, Fenrir breaks free from his chains and simultaneously runs across the world with his upper and lower jaws touching the sky and ground. His gaping hole of a mouth lets him devour everything and everyone in his path, end quote. Okay, so he didn't he didn't just grow too quickly, he just grew too far too large as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> large enough to be able to swallow everyone. Yeah. Devouring Earth. And yeah, and this is and they chained him up because he was anticipated to eat the cosmos. Oh wow. And once Ragnarok happens, it is prophesied that Tyr, god of war and justice, will fight Garmir or Fenrir, with both of them dying in battle, and this destructive fight brings about the change for the new world. Oh, okay. And what possibly almost everyone is thinking right now is the Thor movies again, right? So uh, for those that, I guess, don't know or don't watch the Marvel movies, it stars Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston, and Kate Blanchett. And in their version of the modification of the story, they give Hel the name Hela, and the giant wolf's name is Fenris, which sounds like they they literally just modified it. So, Mm -hmm. um, or if you're into video games as well, another one would be uh, God of War and Mm -hmm. is based on North mythology. And at one point you face off against Garmer and there are other hounds that are influencing in the story as well. Love to see it. Right? Love the blends of pop culture. Yeah. And so moving on to another type of uh, story. All right. We're going to be talking about like the black dogs of English folklore. Love some folklore. Yeah. And there are many accounts of black dogs, but we're going to just focus on a few today. Okay. And so the first is Burgest. And the legend started in Yorkshire and Northeast England. And the name Burgest is believed to mean town ghost. 
Ooh. As I guess ghost was pronounced as kind of guest. Oh, that makes sense. Because like poltergeist. Yeah. So like geist. Yeah. Guest. Very different variations on how you say it in the accents. That makes sense. And so Bell Guest is described as this giant black dog with menacing teeth, dark red eyes that are highlighted in the dark matted fur, massive claws that roams the streets and you hear chains dragging behind it, scraping across the stone. That's something of a nightmare. Imagine it like you're just walking alone, you know, after you're done your late shift at night, after your shitty job. Right. And you hear these chains just dragging <sighs> behind you. Dragging on the cobblestone. Terrifying. And so he is an omen of death. And if he were to lay at your doorstep, someone is destined to die that lives within. Oh my god. You're, you live alone. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> fuck. You look at the cat, you're like, me or you. Yeah, which one? <laughs> and in some reports, it's anticipated that the passing of like a governing type of figure or someone of importance, if our guest is near, dogs in the area will be called towards it, howling in union. Oh my god! They're like, listen, we are loyal, but we're always loyal to other doggos first. You know what the alpha is, so you're not gonna yeah. fuck with that. Yeah. And he can even choose to become corporal at will and can cloak himself to not be seen. So like the Greek one where it could be invisible. Exactly. Yeah, Cerberus. Yeah. And according to an article written and published in Medium Horror Hounds by Jen North titled The Supernatural Black Dogs of Britain, she writes, quote, The dogs will fall behind the Bogest in a canine funeral procession, howling and barking mournfully. If Bogest, while leading its solemn parade, is obstructed by a person it will gouge them with its claws, leaving wounds that will never heal, end quote. Ugh. So gross. The dirty old claws. So stand back. Yeah. Don't interfere. And one of the most recognized recounts of a legend that involves Bogust is a ballad titled The Legend of the Troller's Gill, first published in the table book by William Hone in 1828, which tells a local of uh, a well-known tale of a wizard who is named the troller in the ballad, which just basically means he's a stroller mm -hmm. or someone who walks, but he is on his way to the gill to call upon Bergest. And the gill is basically a limestone gorge among many other endless numbers of gorges that is said to be haunted via many different creatures, such as trolls and fairies. And in this case, Bergest. Mm -hmm. And the poem reads in part, quote, The troller, I ween, was a fearless wit, and, as legend tells, could hear the night winds rave in the nave knoll cave, withouten a sign of fear. And whither now are his footsteps bent, and where is the troller bound? To the horrid gill of the limestone hill, to call on the spectral hound. And it goes on to say, quote, Never before his eyes did the dark gill rise, no moon ray pierced its gloom, and his steps around did the waters sound like a voice from a haunting tomb. An age you in the rough cliffs grew, and under its somber shade did the troller rest with its charms unblessed, and his magic circle made. Then thrice did he turn where the streamers burn, and thrice did he kiss the ground, and with solemn tone in that gill so lone, he'd called on the spectral hound. And a burning brand he clasped in his hand, 
they named a potent spell that for Christian ear, it were a sin to hear and a sin for the bard to tell. A whirlwind swept by and a stormy grew the sky and the torrent louders roar, while a hellish flame or the troller's stalwart frame from each cleft of the gills was poured. And a dreadful thing for the cliff did spring, and its willed bark thrilled around. Its eyes had the glow of the fires below. Twas the form of the spectral hound. End quote. That's actually a really good poem. It is, right? And yeah. that's just part of it. So if you want to look for it, you can definitely go and find it. That's the legend of the Troller's Gill. Mm-hmm. And so basically, it's t- just talking about the wizard. And what he does to call upon the spectral hound and sends it after someone and someone in the village dies. Okay, so that was my next question was, is that literally his whole purpose is to sick it on someone? Yeah. Yeah. God, that poor person living alone just thinks to go out to get their bottles of milk or whatever. And there's a hellhound waiting. Yeah, Yeah, it talks (laughs) about um, how it gets sent out and the next morning they find a corpse god yeah and so there's another also type of hounds that are in um welsh or of origin and it's called kunanon or they are called like as a singular kianon and basically a nun is a the welsh version of like the underworld or afterlife okay and the ruler of a nun is arwan who is the Celtic god of the dead, revenge, and war. And Arbon is the Cunanon, which means hounds of Enon, which are the hounds of the Mm. location. Yeah, like the underworld. And what makes them unique is that they aren't the typical all black. Oh. And splattered with bloodhounds that are actually mostly white with red-tipped ears. Oh my god. My first thought was cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's what will get you killed by these things. You're like, oh my, oh my god, god, you're so cute. Come here. But those memes where it's like my toxic trait is thinking that I can approach any wild animal and it will like me. <laughs> <laughs> and this is how I die. <laughs> I guess I just think cute because I'm used to hearing it stinks like sulfur and has gross long claws and matted fur and it's covered in old blood. And now this one is just white with little red tips. It's like, oh. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Anon is like more of uh, like an other world type mm-hmm. and it has a lot of fae folk and fairy folk that live there. And um, so the reasoning behind the red tipped ears is that they are associated with like the death, that part, but the white isn't symbolic to the underworld. Okay. And so Anon celebrates what is known a wild hunt and Arwen rides along with Melchtenos which translate to Matilda of the Night, or also known as Night Malt. And she was also given the name Kun Mayem, Kun May Mai, which means Hounds of the Mothers. You are really putting yourself to the test. I am. All of these dialects and poems and wow. <laughs> I apologize if I say it wrong. <laughs> okay. Well, if people are like, oh my God, like, She's saying it wrong. Like, okay, well then you come on here and do a better job. Okay? Yeah, you record yourself. Let's hear you say it. <laughs> and so together they lead the Kunanun on a wild hunt to chase down any lost and sad souls guiding them to Anon. Hmm. 
And Matilda of the Night would be the one to direct the hounds by shrieking and wailing, driving the chase. Oh God, they're like, oh my God, we're going to just to escape this sound. <laughs> get away from me. Stop wailing. She shuts up when we get a soul. Just find one and get back here. <laughs> and like in some cases with these wild hunts uh, would more often take place during like specific moments of the year, such as Christmas and Midsummer. Okay. Yeah. And in other versions of the tale, Anon is translated to other worlds. So sometimes it could be underworld or afterlife, and sometimes it's more otherworldly. And there is also a king of the fair folk and ruler, uh, which is Gwynapitnes, who is a great warrior and associated with the hunt as well. So there can be kind of two different versions of it. Mm-hmm. And Gwynapitnes leads his hounds also known as again the kunanon and also hunts for mortal souls so just depending on which oral yeah story you hear yeah whatever telling or yeah exactly yeah just whatever version yeah and there's also another dog that we're going to talk about and this dog is known to frequent the coastline and area of east anguilla and torments residents and brings death to those who see it. And it's called the Black Shook. Shook? Shook. Where's Anguilla? East Anguilla? Gilia? Yeah. It's in England. I can tell you that much. Okay. That's fine. That's all I need to know. The coast. Yes. Along the coast. We're still in, like, England. Yes. But, okay. Yeah. yeah. This is more of, like, the English, English folklore. folklore. Yeah. Okay, yeah, just another, this is just another dog. Yes. This one's coastbound. All right. Yeah, coastbound. <laughs> and there's been a specific report that on Sunday, August 4th, 1577, there mm. was a massive lightning and thunderstorm of rain and hail that hit the village of Blaiburg. Blaithburg? Yeah. Blaithburg. Right. And... Many of the houses there at that time were made of thatch and timber, which could easily set ablaze by the lightning yeah. and could potentially cause massive destruction to the whole village. Just a chain reaction. Yeah. They, if one goes up, the next one goes up, and there's no stopping it. That's, hi, so my, welcome to my town of Tinder. <laughs> right. Yeah. It would be devastating yeah. for that to happen. And... In the midst of the storm, there was a clap of large thunder and the doors to Holy Trinity Church slammed open and backlit by the storm are two glowing, bright, large red eyes attached to a dog with dark, thick fur that stalks into the church towards the village people as they gathered. The hellhound attacks and kills some residents before the roof collapses in on itself, killing a man and a boy. My God. On that same day in Bungay, Bungay, about 12 miles away from Blaithburg, another incident involving Black Shook happens. It visits St. Mary's Church, and there is a poem recorded based on the invitals titled Black Shook, Bungay, and which can be found on literally no, literary Norfolk, quote, the church appeared a mass of flame, and while the storm did rage, a black and fearful monster came, all eyes he did engage. All down the church, in midst of fire, the hellish monster flew, and passing onward to the choir, he many people slew. Many were stricken to the ground, whereof they strangely died, 
and many others there were found, wounded on every side. The church itself was rent and torn, the clock in pieces broke. Two men who the belfry sat were killed upon the spot. End quote. Nightmarish, especially because this is during a raging storm, right? Yeah. So you're saying these people live in tiny little houses that are going to be useless in the huge storm, so they're all gathering for safety in a church. Yeah. And then they're attacked by this creepy ass dog. Yeah, and in each instance, he attacks two people and then leaves the crashing, torn church to itself. And upon each departure of each building, it left scorch marks on the door of the churches, which are still visible today at St. Mary's Church. Oh, my God. Is there a photo? I do have a photo. Do you see the scorch marks there? Creepy. We'll post that on Instagram. Yes, we will. And uh, so some referred to the burn marks as like the devil's fingerprints, mm-hmm. but many believe that they were just made by a candle fire. Someone no. standing too close to the door. No, no, the, it, it wasn't Black Shuck did it. it. 1577. I remember it well. <laughs> we were there. <laughs> Tell us we're wrong. <laughs> but the story and legend has such an influence on the people and the village of Bungay football team is actually called the black dogs okay that's sick though right why not embrace it fun fact and according to an article published in the east england angli anglican anglian 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 the east anglian daily times yeah that one that one titled martin newell's joy of essex black shook is the hellhounds legend that won't lie down which is an old newspaper article wrote about quote a, midnight, a midwife who had been cycling home after a delivery during the 1930s. One winter's night, she claimed she was followed by the creature through the lanes near Tolls Hunt Darcy. She added that the dog was huge and no matter how fast she pedaled, it seems to effortlessly keep up with her. The apparition, which remained silent throughout, then suddenly vanished, end quote. Oh God, that's so fucking horrifying. Mm-hmm. To be chased by one that's so tall and so big that it you can't outbike it did she die no she was there to report it afterwards it did vanish but like then i, then I would just be so confused especially because you're a midwife yeah. so i would be like okay so did this thing like come up on me to like warn me about like some of this the babies have been delivering or like is it just trolling now not trolling like a wizard trolling like a troll <laughs> like a troller's guild just strolling along it's so scary but yeah and like it's just a winter's night so it's not like there was a big storm or anything that was happening Mm-mm. but it did leave her alone afterwards so she got lucky yeah nightmare and i mean you're not gonna mistake that something so big it's creepy glowing eyes you're gonna know exactly you're gonna see a regular dog or you're gonna see black sugar and and Martin Newell's uh, was like a poet who wrote a poem based off the legend titled Black Shook, the ghost dog of Eastern England. And a woman speaking with him during his research phase claimed to have seen Black Shook near Cormer in 1950s when she spotted it on her way home from a dance. And another man said he encountered it crossing the marshes near Felix Stowe. Was that also in the 50s? Yes. Good God. It's a reason. 
Yeah, a little bit more recent. And in an article published by Wired, written by Matt Simon, it talks about during World War II, a four-year-old British girl was sitting awake, staring out the window late one night when she heard a noise. Looking out the window, she sees a very large black dog appear, turning its massive, massive head to stare at her. Quote, it had very large, very red eyes, which glowed from inside as if lit up. She later recounted, and as it looked at me, I was quite terrified, end quote. Just quite. Just quite terrified. I was quite terrified. Yes. And visual and written depictions of hellhounds have been around as far back as Cerberus in the 18th and 7th, uh, 7th century BCE to today in pop culture. And it really shows the continuity between different cultures and how oral stories spread across the globe even before alphabets and the written word yeah that's so true fucking crazy because i think the greek letters weren't developed until the 11th century wow really i think so holy i mean i have no idea but i'm just imagining like obviously oral stories would have been like the og yeah just don't quote me on that communicate yeah, yeah. Man, I don't know. I'm not going to quote you. Yeah. But... I mean, I will quote you. I'm holding you to it. <laughs> okay, we'll do a fact check after. <laughs> Dyson! But what <laughs> other creatures would you like to be your loyal and faithful companion that tears out the souls of your mortal enemies and keeps them trapped in the underworld forever at your command? I would like a hellhound, please. Well, uh, two hellhounds for us, please. <laughs> Dyson, you want a hellhound? Yeah. Okay, yeah. three hellhounds. Three. I want I want the one that has one head though, because the fifty heads too much for me. I want mine to at least have three. Uh, mm, a snake, snake tail, snake tail, snake mane. What if it was like a rattle, and every time it was happy to see me, it rattled. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. We can just order that on Amazon, right? Uh, I think so. But you can like customize it. So like, I want Ooh. mine to be the cute red tipped one. Oh, yeah, uh, okay. one head, and um. Definitely glowing eyes, for sure. I want to be able to not to be... trip over it when I'm walking in the dark. Yeah, I don't need it to be so large, but I would like it to be quite large. And I don't want it to be stinking, and definitely not matted. Yeah. So, not sulfur. I don't like that. I don't want the sulfur smell. No, thank you. That's very demonic. No, because then the whole house, you'll have to have candles all the time. Bath and Body Works will make a fortune off you. That's true. Yeah, cool. And maybe not the flaming part, because then it could just burn your house down. Oh, Yeah. And if it's invisible, imagine if you took it to the park and it just decided to go invisible. You couldn't find your dog again. Be lost forever. You have to put a uh, chip in that. Yeah, Make so you, sure you can track him. Yeah, definitely got to uh, customize this hellhound. Uh, I know exactly what I want and what I don't want. Well, we'll send you guys the website once we find it on how to customize <laughs> your own hellhound. In, linked in the show notes. Customize a hellhound. <laughs> <laughs> or send us your best drawings of a hellhound. Well, that would be sick. That would be really cool. Send us your artistic rendering of your dream hellhound. Yeah. Whatever style you create in, we'd Dyson, love to see it. Use that AI thing to create a hellhound. AI, create hellhound. Okay. Go. He wants to know if he can have boobs on his it's a little weird right that's a weird question that's something you can say for your private searches three tits three tits great <laughs> well that's all i got for today why better note to leave it on the dyson wanting tits on his hellhound classic freak
that was very interesting i didn't know any of that i'm lucky to have recognized some of the names just based on pop culture well at least you know something and now you know more i love it that was really good thank you also crazy how far back it goes Mm -hmm. greek all the way up to english folklore and actually even beyond that because there's like some more recent sightings Mm -hmm. if you want to count the 50s as recent but i mean in comparison it's pretty recent it is pretty recent hey you did a great job thank you i had a lot of fun yeah that was awesome and uh, i guess you will be back for october october Ooh, spooky season yeah because yeah, i know that however we've done it you'll always be around like the fun holidays to do episodes on mm-hmm. so october and then december exactly another christmasy spooky wintry one mm-hmm. but in the meantime look forward I look forward to you joining us in October where we'll do, because October is always dedicated the whole month to spooky stuff. Yeah. So we'll have you come back and do, I don't know what you'll do. You did Bloody Mary last time. I did. And I hope everyone enjoyed it. I did. Yeah. I had to fight with Dyson a lot after that, though, for him not to do Bloody Mary. He Bloody still does Mary it in the mirror. What, what did we go in the we all oh i was painting coasters and i put uh like i painted it like a dark um yeah. starry night and then um i put glow in the dark paint over the stars and then we checked it out in the bathroom and then of course as soon as we closed the door the pitch black dyson is just like bloody mary and we didn't even close the door yet and he was already <laughs> like jumping the gun I'm like shut the fuck up shut the fuck i need up. to call her <laughs> Do it on your own time and not in this apartment. She owes me money. She probably owes so many people money. But yeah, we'll see what you do in um, October. In the meantime, this was really good. We'll post um, a photo of the creepy burn marks on that of that church. St. Mary's, she said. St. Mary's. Mary's church door. And if you have any other photos, just send them over to me and I'll make sure they're up on Instagram. Yeah. Which is Dark Adaptation Podcast. So make sure you follow us there. That's where you can see photos related to the case. Um, all the cases we cover. All of the stories we cover. All of the things we cover. Anything you want to know. And yeah, you want to comment what you liked about this. You want to share your pictures of your hellhounds. You want to share case suggestions. You want to share anything. Any suggestions. You want to get us a coffee. Oh, yeah, we can, or a drink. You can uh, visit our website where there's uh, our sources and if, if just cool stuff like buying us coffee or a patch. We still have really cool embroidered patches. That's darkadaptationpodcast.ca. And um, I'll see you guys next week for something. Yeah. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's a surprise for everyone. It's, a, it's part of the fun here. Yeah. What's it going to be? I don't know. And you don't know. Part of the fun. Thank you, Paige for hosting this episode great thank you for having me and uh everyone else we'll catch you on the dark side bye dyson 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 we're done